In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hi everyone, Patrick here. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Wealth Standard Podcast. If you happen to be watching by video, uh, you can see that I'm in uh, Las Vegas. I'm here for my uh, 16th anniversary, but also coincides with the Tony Robbins Business Mastery course that I'm attending uh, later part of, uh, of this week. But I hope you guys are doing awesome. We are almost done with this season on entrepreneurship. And the guest today is none other than a really good friend of mine, my mentor. She is uh, also a financial advisor. Her and I we're part of something called the Prosperity Economics Movement, where we essentially train advisors on the principles and strategies that we both practice. Kim was one of the first rich dad advisors to Robert Kiyosaki. She's written a number of books, which you guys can uh, can check out on Amazon. We'll put some links in the show notes. By far, my most favorite is uh, Busting the Financial Planning Lies, but she's written uh, several other books as well. But her and her husband, uh, Todd Langford, are great friends of mine, business partners, and we get to meet uh, every single week. And uh, this is a little bit different meeting for Kim and I, but she's an incredible individual, so experienced, has uh, had a lot of success in her field, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her if you haven't heard of her before and listen to our, our conversation. Now, we do have a couple episodes left. If you guys are tuning in for the first time, we essentially have the Wealth Standard podcast broken into three yearly seasons. We started that last year. And so go in and check out those past episodes. But we have been focusing this season on the principle of entrepreneurship. So it's going to be over in just a couple of weeks. And we're going to, I'm going to be announcing the new, uh, new season, which I'm really, really excited about. We also have some really cool guests that will be appearing in the next few weeks. So make sure you uh, tune into those episodes. All right. So without further ado, I'm going to uh, introduce you to my great friend, Kim Butler. So Kim, it's awesome to have you on. And this is, uh, it's always a delight for me to, to talk to you. And, you know, we, we obviously are part of a few different uh, initiatives and businesses. At the same time, you know, we, we don't get a lot of time to speak on some of these higher level, borderline esoteric things such as what our theme is this year, which is entrepreneurship. So you have an extensive experience. And I think it's interesting, especially as you know, we've come to know each other better, where you know, business is just such a, a fun, dynamic thing that keeps, I would say, the entrepreneurial spirit alive for a really long time. But most, I would say most business owners and entrepreneurs don't get the experience that you do because you have been heavily inspired by Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, and not only as a student, but also as a t- 
teacher and mentor. And there's something about being able to teach principles and teach about certain concepts, especially as it relates to business, that starts to become part of you, your nervous system, your MO, how you're wide, how you respond to certain things versus you know, react to certain things. So maybe walk everyone through your experience in, in business and you know, what are the events that shape the way you look at it? Maybe define how you look at it first and then talk about the events that help to shape that and continue to shape it. Sure. Well, you do know we have to start with fourth grade and milking a cow. <laughs> yep. So my, my parents bought me a cow to milk and I sold the milk and from fourth grade all the way through 12th grade earned a lot of money, enough to put myself through a private college for four years. And that entrepreneurial experience shaped how I think and how I look at things. And my parents are not entrepreneurs. It's interesting. Yeah. And yet they were, you know, they, they were teachers and principals of schools, but they had a farm and they certainly saw the value of 4-H and teaching Tammy, my sister and I, all of the good that goes with building a business. So they kind of gave you this experience. They didn't necessarily give it to you based on their experience in it. It was more to provide you an environment and an experience. What was the cause of that, do you think? Like, would, have you ever asked them, like, what, so why did you buy me the cow? Like, <laughs> why did you let me do this and sell this and go to 4-H and continue to support that? Because I'm assuming you know, there was some support on their end for you to actually do the business. Sure. In fact, in the early stages, there had to be a lot of support because of just the nature of it. And, you know, a fourth grader is a pretty small human being yeah. and a cow is a big animal. My dad was a farmer and a 4-H'er as a child and okay. very, very much wanted Tammy and I to have that experience. And we have talked about it. It's been a while, but I, I definitely know the story he wanted us to learn business principles. And so you and I know and talk about how important principles are and how reflective they are in all of our lives if we can just pick up on something that teaches principles. Because when we have good, solid principles, they impact our entire life. And that's what he wanted us to learn. So now, now maybe graduate to school when you left home and how your experiences to get into the business that you're in and to become part of coach and maybe describe just some of the experiences in which you were able to take what you learned growing up and apply that to that next phase or next level. Well, I think there's a really important detour that I took that frankly, I'm almost a little embarrassed about, but I want to share it because I think it has such an important message. And that is that after graduating from college, I did not want to be involved in sales in any way. Hmm. Why? Why is that? Yeah, how sad that is. Because entrepreneurship, frankly, just being human requires selling. And Did you uh, sell milk? I know. I like a I said, I'm embarrassed by it. Really, it's something that you ask why. I don't know why. I don't have a good answer for that. But mm -hmm. something in my college experience, and I did go to a liberal arts school, but I don't really think that was it. But something in my experience turned my perspective. And maybe it's just because I didn't know any better. I'm not really sure. 
but I, I remember very clearly that I wanted a job in management. I didn't want a job in sales. Yet one of my favorite books today is by Daniel Pink, and it is To Sell is Human. And it is. It's something that we do every day. We sell ourselves on our own ideas. We sell others on things that we want done. We sell our family on where we want to go to dinner that night. I mean, it, we're selling, selling, selling. But for whatever reason, I had this bizarre detour. Well, most people have that. And I don't want to go into the psychology of it because I've thought the same thing, felt the same thing. Uh, at the same time, there's you know, really some principles behind providing some sort of product or, or service that you know, inspire you through that awkwardness. But I don't want to go down that tangent necessarily uh, today. So, so maybe go to you know, ways in which you overcame that and then maybe transition to how you became involved with Rich Dad and then going into maybe coach from there. Sure. So very quickly in my first corporate job, I did realize that in order for a business to make progress and a profit, selling was necessary. So while I did have three years as I would call it just an employee, I very quickly realized that the ability to get results, to get paid for my results instead of my time and effort, that is a Dan Sullivan thing, to cross over the risk line from time and effort to results was absolutely necessary And then fast forward a little bit, just to continue to address some of your questions on the entrepreneur side, getting involved with Robert Kiyosaki and Kim Kiyosaki and their perspective. Also, right around the same time, getting involved with Dan Sullivan and Strategic Coach and his perspective. And also at that same time, getting involved with Kathy Colby, spelled K-O-L-B-E, and her perspective. And you certainly have your Colby profile. And know the value of the Colby profile, which indicates how you get results. So you put all of that together and I became a very focused, very on point person slash entrepreneur as it related to my passion that I think did start way back in fourth grade and that was money. I loved personal finance. I loved money. I loved making money. I loved all of the aspects about money and how it flows through economies, both nationwide, worldwide, and also down on the small side to our own personal level. And all of these things just contributed to that. And of course, an entrepreneurial environment with money, I mean, those two things really go hand in hand and the good that can be created from, again, understanding principles that relate not only to one's personal economy, but also to any business that you're going to operate. So it sounds like those three events, you had Rich Dad, you had Strategic Coach, you had Colby, like all at once. And then everything from that point forward was just complete euphoria, wasn't it? <laughs> this is business that we're talking about, Patrick. <laughs> so maybe, yeah, walk, maybe walk through what happened from, you know, from there at a high level and how the principles that you were learning were maybe identified or clarified and then reinforced and then maybe became part of you know how you started to operate differently well what was very gratifying now that i can look back on it is the various things that i was involved with were all sending the same message so as an example i had always been working on what I now call typical financial planning. 
this is the early 90s for about five years. And I had a nice practice. I was very good at it. And yet I wanted more, which got me to strategic coach. Again, I had always been working on typical financial planning, and yet I wanted more. And that led me to a conversation with Robert and Kim, who at that point, the Rich Dad Poor Dad book wasn't even out yet. So it was just a conversation. And yet it was a reinforcement of principles because I had started to learn from a lot of my other real estate clients. And Robert at that point was just another real estate client that there were fundamental personal financial principles that I was not being taught in typical financial planning with the designations that I had and the training that I was going through. And I knew that these principles existed because I had worked in that entrepreneurial world for so long. And as I joined Coach, and at this point, I was a student of Coach and still am. I still attend every 90 days. And yet, I hadn't started coaching at this point. So as I'm just learning from other entrepreneurs and other real estate investors in my own, what was at the time, a face-to-face practice, these entrepreneurial principles align with these financial principles in very clear categories on one side of the table. And the more typical financial planning type thought process, I don't even want to use the word principles (laughs) in the typical financial planning space, Mm -hmm. aligned more with the corporate employee world that I did not want to be a part of. So there was a very clear division there. And thankfully, everything that I was doing was supporting that more entrepreneurial principle-based, you know, as we use the term now, prosperity economics. And because of coach, I was led to coin some of the words like prosperity economics to identify some of those principles. And then everything else did support it. And yet there are still challenges because as you know, today, you and I spend every day fighting the battle of Wall Street and the banks and corporations and the typical financial planning message that is so prevalent in our society. Well, think about it, Kim. It's, it's like you, you've hit on a couple of things which are going through my mind. One in particular is the idea of what you were driven to do as a, as a result of your you know, college education, which, which is, I want to become a manager. You know, I don't know if kids wake up and say, hey, I want to become a manager of something, right? But I look at you know, how our school systems are run. I look at how society is run. look at how most corporate businesses are run, right? And it's very hierarchical. And also there's managerial uh, principles there. And you've seen a lot of decay in that world in a lot of different respects. Okay. But again, it, it be, has become so ingrained in us just based on the different stages of our life that have followed a very similar structure, right? Whether it's, you know, elementary school, middle school, high school, like K through 12, then you get into college. You're taught, right, to do things this very methodical way go to school, get a job, get a degree, get another job, you know, go up the corporate ladder. Get benefits, get, you know, there's always like boxes to check, right? In order to achieve success. But most people, they actually check all the boxes and are suddenly like, well, this is not what I thought it was, uh, was going to be, right? And I think a lot of people are realizing that in corporate world is, is changing, but it's so ingrained in us to think a certain way that when there is a different idea, right? Such as prosperity economics, doing things in a different way, right? Just because it's different, it makes people concerned, right? And, and ultimately feel threatened to an extent where you're challenging the status quo. 
And it's been interesting to, for me, for us to have that experience together because you know a lot of the work that we do together is with financial advisors, right? That are now taking what they have given as advice and suddenly being in the position to say, whoa, I probably shouldn't have done that. And it, because of saving face, because of reputation, identity, they have a challenge really in shifting gears. So with business, let's kind of go back to that. When you, when it looks at, when you look at business, business is always evolving. It's an infinite game as we talk about. And the way in which a business is run or an entrepreneur sets his vision and establishes a business and you know, carries forward that message and tomorrow and next week and next year, things adjust. And of course, you being involved in, in coach for the better part of 20 years or over 20 years, I don't know what, where, where you're at right now, but what has been your experience in seeing the different types of economies and, and different shifts and how entrepreneurs and businesses have essentially either succeeded or failed and why? So uh, just to answer your question, I think I've been attending about 25 years and coaching around 15, give or take. So one of the singular messages that I love that comes from Dan Sullivan and on down to all of the entrepreneurs everywhere, and obviously one of the cool things about coaches is that you get to share so much wisdom with entrepreneurs, which then get to share that wisdom with their employees and their families. And that is the importance of mindset, especially as it relates to what's going on in the economy with which your business is operating and what you can and cannot control. And so the overriding message, and this was super clear in the 2008-9 era. And I believe it was also clear in whatever the recession was before that. I don't remember the exact years. Early 2000s, yeah. Okay. Is that you don't have to participate. You as an entrepreneur, you as your family, you as an individual, you as a salesperson, even you as an employee, do not have to participate in whatever the recession slash thing is that's going on in that larger economy. And so people hear that and think, wait a minute, of course, I'm stuck. Like I don't have a choice. And I have fallen subject to that same mindset. There are times I forget that I do not have to participate in whatever is going on out in the mindset of the economy and the actions of the economy And you and I've had conversations that I've gotten off the phone and thought, oh, shoot, you know, here I was in scarcity mode talking with somebody that's important about whatever it was that I was afraid of at the time, because I too forgot that I do not have to participate in whatever the mental climate is of the worldwide economy, the nationwide economy, even down to the state and my personal businesses, which of course then affect my personal finances economy. And so overriding principle, if you will, message, if you will, that individuals can focus on the one thing that they can control, which is their mindset. And that mindset determines 99% of the deal. Well, in the end, it's everyone is essentially looking for a mindset. They think that the material world is going to you know, it has to be aligned in a certain way in order to achieve that, which is interesting. And again, it just plays into what we were talking about before, which is that's how we're wired. And that's what we've come to, to believe collectively. But there obviously are a lot of individuals that are writing, talking about very similar things, because there is, 
you know, an aspect of the, the future that you can probably predict, but there's so many that you can't. All that really exists is right now. Well, maybe talk about, you know, as, as you've experienced other entrepreneurs, their businesses, and of course, Strategic Coach covers an array of different businesses and industries and even countries. How have you shaped your business and your life based on what you've learned and or taught? Well, I think the ability to work virtually, um, literally virtually, as in over the phone and the web, but also with the capability that that comes with, for example, flexibility around hours and physical space, et cetera, et cetera. That's something that many, many strategic coach entrepreneurs are pursuing and loving. And, you know, obviously the internet was a big part of that. And the realization that you don't have to do business the same way that everybody else is doing business. Strategic Coach really gave me the freedom to be myself. And Colby, my Colby profile, again, K-O-L-B-E, if somebody's curious to look that up, my Colby profile gave me the freedom to be myself. I think Kathy's definition of success is the freedom to be yourself. And so the, the vision, if you will, to realize early on the creation of the internet and the capability that it enabled to be able to work that way. And strategic coach giving you the support that, yeah, you can do it. Go for it. Think big, think differently and get different results accordingly. And so as I look at the other entrepreneurs inside coach, there's 60 some different industries in there. And the ones that are doing the best are creating the businesses on their own terms and building the teams around their own vision of what they feel like their business is capable of, regardless of what their industry is doing, regardless of what other businesses like theirs are doing, regardless of what the accountant says should be done. They're really just basing it off vision and a set of principles that may be different than our principles, but their own set of principles and their own skills and talents identified sometimes by Colby and other profiles out there that help them do that, but that enable them to really love their work and to have work not be so all-consuming 24-7 like you might think is happening in a virtual firm, but to have it limited within a particular window so that that love is really getting the top skill and capability of an entrepreneur and that entrepreneur's family and church community and whatever else they're involved with are also getting the top skill of that entrepreneur. Well, there's been this, again, it's, I would say gravitation going from, you know, working to live versus living to work. And it's interesting where, you know, these up and coming generations, millennials, and even the, the generation that's after that have figured out ways in which to do things differently, more efficiently, but ultimately it comes down to the experience of, of life. I think in the end, that's what everyone's looking for. They're, they're looking for a sense of happiness, a sense of fulfillment. I think work is a part of that. At the same time, if they're connecting that all happiness, fulfillment, success comes from work, then that's not necessarily the most principled way to look at it, just based on the experiences that I'm sure that you've had over the course of time. And that's where you look at in our day and age and what exists as a possibility when it comes to 
designing your life, designing the rules for that. There's something that Andy Tanner had taught me a few weeks ago regarding getting to where you want to go, whatever success is, however you define success. And there's where you're at and it's where you want to be. And then there's usually two variables that prevent you from getting there. It's ignorance or discipline. But then I threw another one at him, which is most people don't know where they're going. They don't know what that end result is. They don't know. They haven't, as you put it, written their rules or defined, this is what I want. This is the lifestyle I want to live. This is where I want to live. And then figuring out a way is the gap ignorance or is the gap discipline? Ignorance means do you have the knowledge? If you don't have the knowledge, like the knowledge is there. It's somewhere, <laughs> you know, what is available at our fingertips possesses pretty much all the knowledge you really need, right? In order to make that a reality. But then it comes down to discipline. And I look at, you know, discipline as one of those main variables that prevents a person from living a fulfilling life, which is being able to identify that they have a specific makeup and structure of, and, you know, of their nervous system, of their, you know, their belief system and how that dictates the direction of their life and having to actually replace a lot of those beliefs and replace them with new beliefs and then being disciplined to actually execute. It's just really interesting where, you know, you've been able to do that. And that's what I've respected about you and, and Todd for so long is that, you know, you've said, this is the life I want to live. This is where I want to live. You live in a beautiful, beautiful location in, in Texas. I, when I first walked into your house, I was like, man, this is like, that's Kim, that's Todd, that's Kim. That might be a combination of Kim and Todd. Like you, you've designed your life and I think that's so, so admirable. So maybe talk about, you know, whether I'm off or, or on there and then what are you focused on right now to continue to shape this life and shape your business? Well, thank you for the compliment. It's super cool that you can see that in our home, which of course is our business also. And so in answer to your question, what's interesting to me about discipline is, and I'll quote Dan Sullivan again, that it's more to me about habits than it is about discipline. Mm -hmm. So the Dan Sullivan quote is, you are 100% disciplined to your current set of habits. Love that. Yep. So I look at my habits a lot and as you know, we are in the habits of controlling our thinking, okay? So whether you are doing a lot of that or a little of that, that's having an impact. We have certain habits around how we eat. And again, you know, good habits, bad habits, they're habits. So what are you doing around that area? Certain habits around what kind of input we have to our thinking. For example, Todd and I choose not to watch TV because we do not care what that input is. We watch movies, but not TV. An important distinction there. So the controlling of habits, I think, is something that we can all do and really look at our habits and how they're serving us. And then to pick up on your second question more about the vision is something that Todd and I are just adamant about. And we talk about it more and more every day. And that is that as human beings or business owners, doesn't matter because those are still human beings, we cannot coast. Like there is no such thing as maintenance. So I'll give you an example on the physical side. I've worked with a personal trainer for about 23 years, the same gal. And we do our work now over the web because she still lives in Arizona. 
at some point in our relationship, I said, I'm good. I just want to maintain. I just want to be in maintenance mode with my weights and my cardio, right? That didn't work. You can't maintain. There is no such thing as coasting. You are either growing or you are dying. Mm -hmm. That might be kind of abrupt language, but I fully believe that it's that big of a dichotomy and that we need to be focused on growth. In fact, one of the questions that Todd asked me when we first started dating is, what are you all about? And without even thinking, the word growth came out of my mouth. That was a phone date, by the way, that lasted three hours. (laughs) I had a few of those too. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we are very conscious of. And Mm -hmm. our businesses are either growing or dying. There is no such thing as maintenance. Our lives, our mindset, our spiritual approach, our inspirational, if that works better for people. Our work, everything is either growing or dying. So to me, that vision is part of that growth is to have while, and to me, a vision is very different than a goal. A goal is specific and measurable and we can achieve it. It has a time frame and it's realistic. A vision is out there a little bit more in the future, a little fuzzier. And yet to me, it's that vision that I'm always striving for. And yes, goals too, but I prefer to focus on the vision. I was thinking about something this morning and it plays right into what you've been talking about. So, you know, I've mentioned this to you before, but Blair Singh, another, you know, Rich Dad advisor, he explained that one of his events, the second law of thermodynamics, which is the idea of entropy. And the theory states that if you completely remove a system, right, from the environment, okay, it doesn't die. But there is no system, okay, without an environment that exists. The environment is going to dictate going from one stage to another stage. And he explains it as the higher the pressure of that environment, the more success is going to come out on the outside or, or, an in, or a growth or an enhancement. But he explains it with if a tree falls in the forest, what will it become? Right? It will become part of the forest. It will become the food for the trees or, or whatever. But if a tree falls in a different environment and goes from one stage of life to the next, uh, if it falls into a swamp per se, where there's lots of pressure and organisms, a lot more going on than if it just fell into the forest, then it becomes over the course of time, coal, and then it becomes a diamond, right? It shifts to different elements, a much different outcome than if it fell in the forest. So the idea is from what you're saying, we live in an environment. We can't control that. And the environment that we live in requires growth. Things are growing, they're dying, they're growing, they're dying, they're taking different stages. When it comes to our life, there's a lot of you know, similarity and parallel where the environment is going to dictate where we're at in the next level. If it's the same environment that exists right now, then as we go into different stages, it's going to be the same and there's going to be such a lack of fulfillment there. So I've kind of correlated to the best thing that you can do in order to achieve different results is put yourself in different environments and the environments which are conducive to the growth that you want. Absolutely. And sometimes that means being uncomfortable. I think it always means being uncomfortable. I mean, it may be, I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) Because friction, I mean, friction is where all the opportunity exists. Right. And that's another principle, right? The more pressure, the better the outcome in the end. Well, Kim, this has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your, your wisdom. I was really excited for this conversation and it was perfect. 
why don't you tell our listeners, you know, if they're not already following you, where they can pick up some of your books, how they can follow you on social media, and, and just pay attention to what you're up to. Well, thank you for that. The best place I do believe is our main website, partners, number four, prosperity.com. And we too have a podcast called the Prosperity Podcast. And don't we love the podcasting space? And of course, then we have quite a few books on Amazon as well. And so just looking up Kim Butler as an author can track those down. We have social media presence primarily on Facebook and LinkedIn. And yet, I love what is available in the blog, so specifically on our website, partnersforprosperity.com, and the podcast, because those are able to go a little bit more in depth. And I do believe that sometimes social media is a little too sound bite-ish. So I encourage people to dig in. Kim, thank you again. It's been such a pleasure. Happy to do it, Patrick. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Patrick here. Listen, most of you know that I wrote a book last year called Heads I Win, Tails You Lose, A Financial Strategy to Reignite the American Dream. And the book has has sold tens of thousands of copies. We're really excited about it. So for those of you who are new listening and haven't had your chance to pick one up, you guys can actually get it for free. So if you head over to thewealthstandard.com forward slash book, then all you have to do is pay for shipping and you will get your uh, copy for free. So head over to thewealthstandard.com forward slash book. Thanks for the support. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.